You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Well, welcome to the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn, and today I want to talk about gangs. That's right, we're going to be talking about gangs, and I do not mean the criminal element, but instead simply a group of highly bonded men who are working and fighting together for the same purpose. I want to talk about why men need a brotherhood, because you do. Why you need a fraternity of other men to sharpen you, spur you onto action, and encourage you in the weighty task of taking dominion. Now, while we can all accomplish good things as individuals, we're severely limited when we try to fulfill the dominion mandate simply as lone wolves. You see this all the time, this attitude with men. Well, I can do it by myself. I'll be my own island. But when you think about scripture, Nehemiah couldn't rebuild the city walls by himself. Yes, he supplied the God-inspired vision, which was necessary, and he took responsible action as an individual. But ultimately, he was successful because he was able to lead the people and peoples in the city to do this monumental work of rebuilding. He had to play the leader, in other words, so that he could take his plans and he could create order and bring about the, the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. What he had to do was inspire a nation of other men to join him in this epic rebuilding process. Again, not one man on an island. So when we're talking about Christian culture today and how it needs to be rebuilt in America, it's going to take men like Nehemiah, those with vision for rebuilding physical structures, Things like church buildings, Christian schools, media companies, publishing houses, men's groups and fraternities, and so on. But it's also going to take men like Ezra, teachers and reformers who rebuilt the hearts and minds of the people according to the word of the covenant. And so here's my point. None of this work is done by mere individuals in their own little vacuums. There's got to be collaboration. There's got to be shared vision. And there's got to be many instances of local investment and local works of building that are collaborated with one another. In other words, men need to form local gangs to establish the Christian vision for dominion in local contexts, while at the same time collaborating with other men in different places. One of the biggest problems that I've seen, especially in reform camps, is that there's an unwillingness or an inability to join forces with other men of like mind and heart. We each sort of have this view that we have the corner on the market. Nobody is doing it right except for us. And so because of this, Reformed churches tend to attract highly schismatic and disagreeable individuals and people. And when you look at their lives, it turns out they really can't fellowship with, well, anyone. And so in the many of these groups, we split doctrinal hairs, we divide over trivial matters, and we refuse fellowship with virtually anyone. We often have a hard time celebrating and promoting people who share our vision. Maybe we're aligned on 80% or more of ideas, and yet still we can't get along. We're going to create wedges and divides on minor doctrinal points. Well, it's my view that we have to overcome this disposition if we're going to see a major work of reform in our day. 
The other typical problem that I see in a lot of Reformed churches is related to what I'll call multiplication and reproduction. There are a few places, and I think of Tom Askell in Florida, I think of uh, especially Doug Wilson in Moscow, Idaho, and they're doing wonderful works. They've built publishing companies and media empires. They're extending their reach. They're building things. They're making films. They're doing all sorts of wonderful work, and you can see how they've replicated, like in Doug's children, some really awesome things. But when you look at broader evangelicalism, we haven't really reproduced those models virtually anywhere else. There are a few exceptions, but I think what we need to see more of is the reproduction and multiplication of churches like Christ Church in Moscow, and some of the other ones who are doing things very, very well. We need church planners. We need men in other places, not just to move to Moscow, but we need people to start new works in different places that are aimed at those specific communities and people, right? And so what we haven't done is really do a good job of replicating the model uh, anywhere else. It's going to look different, and, and, and it should. And so, again, while I want to say it's good and wise for some people to move to Moscow, it's important that we have these works across the country in different cities. And it's important that men aren't doing this by themselves. You really can't plant a church. You can't start a school. You can't start a publishing company. You can't do a website with really cool content. You really cannot do these things as just one lone wolf individual guy. And so that brings us to really the heart and point of this podcast, which is this. Men were made for gangs. That's right. Men were made for gangs. Jack Donovan rightly points this out in his book, The Way of Men, that there's really no way to talk about masculinity without reference to a man within a group. And so here's how Donovan spells it out. He says this, quote, Masculinity is about being a man within a group of men. Above all things, masculinity is about what men want from each other. End quote. In other words, what Donovan is saying is that men need a gang. We need a group of men who sharpen each other, who share the same core purpose and mission, and who help each other defend the perimeter. You see, men aren't made to be loners but instead to band together with other men to form bonds around fighting and building. We see this in Ecclesiastes. Even having two men is better than one. When you look at the, the book of Acts, you never see just one guy going out and starting a church by himself. Even someone as illustrious and skilled as the Apostle Paul took multiple, usually at least multiple talented, gifted men to go do works with him. It's intense labor and you need somebody who has your back in the midst of that. Now, I also want to point out something that's interesting, and it's this principle. The smaller the group of men, the more close-knit they become. And conversely, the larger the group, the less bonding that will take place. So you think about a small group, like the 12 disciples, and even within their group, they have smaller groupings. You know, Peter, James, John, and Jesus uh, being one of the, you know, the inner circles of that inner circle. And so this is how group dynamics work. And so typically what you need is inner circles inside other circles. So you have a church, um, you have within that, you have like a session, you have a pastor. And, and again, the closer you get to the center, those are going to be the men who define the church or the group of men. They really drive the vision. 
So this is one of the things that I'm going to encourage you to do in this episode is figure out who those core people are, figure out who your gang is so that you can be potent and powerful. Again, the smaller the group, the more close-knit you become. And again, the larger the group, there's going to be less bonding. Think about mega churches. A lot of my friends would go to mega churches actually because they say, oh, it's great. Nobody talks to me and I don't talk to anyone. So the reason a lot of people go there is just to be that drifter, uh, to be that lone wolf and really not to have accountability. But what we're looking for with the gang mentality is totally different than that. We're looking for those few men, just a few good men that you can fight alongside and do battle with. Now, speaking of battle, the U.S. Army has actually done studies on this group size context issue. And their research shows that the smaller the group, so groups from, you know, like the platoon to company size, these men will say they would gladly die for one another. But when you get bigger than those groups, the sentiment of dying for one another drops off pretty quickly. So again, keep in mind, your gang should not be hundreds of men. You know, yes, you may end up attracting that many men, but you need a core. And so that's what we're going to continue unpacking in this episode. Now, the next thing that Donovan writes about and identifies are what he would call kind of core masculine virtues or tactical virtues. And these are, according to him, physical strength, courage or bravery in the face of fear, mastery or competency and skill, and finally, honor or reputation among your brothers. See, it's interesting that in the end, what matters to a gang of men is ultimately their commitment and their competence. This is how men judge each other. Loyalty, often to the death, and mastery of skills or competency. These are the kind of men you want by your side when it really hits the fan. In such a scenario, it won't matter if you know how to order a triple pump soy non-fat macchiato in record time or if you can perfect the art of a spreadsheet. But it will matter if you can fight off bloodthirsty enemies, if you can pull a plow through hard ground, if you can slit a throat, sacrifice skillfully on the battlefield for the safety of the group. These are the kind of things that will matter, and these are the kind of men, committed and competent, that you want by your side. Now, the problem with so much of the church today is that in a world absent of daily survival-type dangers or actual fighting, And in a world overflowing with luxury and ease, we have reduced masculinity to metaphorical virtues. And this is something we talked about in the show before. We've become so Gnostic that we exclude physical, real masculine virtues. Instead, we focus only on spiritual virtues and we leave off things like life skills and competencies. But I I just challenge you to do this. You look at any group of men think of firefighters, you think of police officers, you even think of guys in a corporate environment, ultimately you are valued as a man because of your competency and commitment to the cause. If somebody is super spiritual and they read their Bible every morning before they go to work, but they can't get the job done, well, they're not going to be respected. And this is true of any group of men. No group of men will respect you unless you possess real strength, real courage, mastery, and honor. It doesn't matter how deep your theological knowledge is. It doesn't matter how sweet like an angel you pray in public. Men will honor those who have tactical skills in manly living. In other words, men who know how to be good men and who are good at being men. 
This is why so many preacher types in books and movies are portrayed as worthless and incompetent, because the men in their context don't respect them. So the real questions about manly competency are questions like these. Can you order your own household well? Do your own children respect you? Like, can you manage your own family? Do you know how to keep a home or organization on track to be financially prosperous? Can you kill an intruder or an attacker? Can you defend your family in public if you were attacked? Can you replace a disposal, patch a radiator, or help a neighbor with the irrigation pump? Do you hesitate to pull the trigger? Do you stand by while other men pull the real weight in your group or organization? What about sin? Will you confront it? Or do you passively look the other direction while others are left to deal with the mess? Are you a man of action? Will you stand courageously when the outside world attacks? You see, these are the things that men judge each other by. It's the way of men. So what we each need to do is find our gang. A gang, Donovan describes, is this. It is, quote, a bonded hierarchical coalition of males allied to assert their interest against external forces, end quote. And here's my contention. Every man needs one of these. And maybe, just maybe, you need to start one of these. While you can simply hope to fall into a gang, it's a much better idea to be the one actually picking your gang. Maybe it's a few men from church, or maybe it's a smattering of manly men from your community who share the same values as you do. But based on Donovan's definition, one of the central tenets of the gang is defining what you're about. So I would challenge you to do this. What is your group, what is your gang of men about? What is it that gives your gang a unique identity and causes other men to rally together around you and or a particular cause? What is it about your gang that creates the vital us versus them flavor? This is a good starting place to define what you're about. Once you've done that, you can use social media, you can use Twitter, Facebook, or email newsletters to send out what I call messages in a bottle. And you use these to see who responds. You share some of the points of your vision and the cause, what makes you tick on a daily basis. You send these messages out and then you see who wants to be a part of what you're doing. You look for the voices and the people who say, you know, I identify with that message and it's important. But here's the deal. And I, I want to stress this in the episode. Your gang needs to be local. Yes, you can form bonds online with other men. It's important to do that. And that's something that I've done on my own Twitter, Facebook, social media through this podcast. But ultimately, I use all those things to drive it back to local, real-world relationships with men. Because here's the deal. You cannot form bonds when there's a thousand miles between you. Yes, social networking via Twitter and Facebook is important. It's an important tool. And in fact, as I've said, that's why in many ways the Hard Men podcast exists. It's to help make these connections with other men and women across the country. But the real work is turning those internet connections into face-to-face connections so that you can talk to real people in a real world and you can schedule FaceTime. You can plan events and activities in the real world and you can get to know each other. Because ultimately, this is the question that I'm always asking myself. Who's going to have your back when the boogaloo comes? You need to find men in your local context. 
And sometimes that means you might need to move to a different context. But ultimately, what you need is proximity. You need familiarity, which means time spent together, both working and training. You need to sharpen your mind together with other men. You need to sharpen your muscles and you need to sharpen your morals together. So I would encourage you, go shooting. Take a backpacking trip with your son. Start a martial arts group together. Drink beers and cigars over a game of poker. You do lots of things together. There's no way to build a sense of camaraderie when you are dislocated from one another and don't spend time together in important daily life tasks. And here's another thing. Don't make it primarily about leisure. You want to make it about sharpening and honing tactical virtues, which means that you should be working and fighting together. You should be getting calluses and sore backs and bleeding next to your gang. This is what a band of brothers, this is where it comes from, from having shed blood and sweated together for the same purpose, in the same trench, for the same cause. Here's something else to consider. The church often fails to attract men because rather than fostering a band of brothers mentality around these tactical virtues, as well as work and fighting, it often reduces male interactions to sort of a gay group therapy session in which men are expected to tell each other about their feelings. Ugh. Right? The only thing you do is you add bacon. But other than that, it's basically a women's group. And we're going to talk with effeminate pastors who are going to try and coax their men into warm, fuzzy conversations about sentiments and feelings. Well, yeah, that's going to be a no from me, dog. The, The reality is that men need a mission for meaningful work. They need a fight. They need to know that there's a dragon and they can slay it. Men need a life consuming building project. Ultimately, this is the colossal failure of those, including Donovan, in the manosphere. They rightly identify problems with men in the world today, but they fail to cast a vision for masculinity that finds its center in the kingdom building dominion mandate of Scripture. Without this grand sweep of mission and purpose in the world, masculinity will never find its right and proper course in God's order. Once you've established what that dominion mission is, which, by the way, defines the us and the them, then you can start getting together to hone your skills with other men. You can study together. You can go to the gym. You can get together for long, grueling hikes to find early season elk. You can strap on your backpacks and pound the hills with your sons. You can set trail cameras and hang tree stands. You can chop firewood and you can stack it together. You can brand or you can butcher cattle. You can take carbine or handgun courses together. You can start an airsoft league with your buddies to train for the moment when everything hits the fan. You can build a shed in someone's backyard. You can tackle a lift on a truck. You can replace a set of brakes. You can even go four-wheeling. You can take a canoe trip to the Boundary Waters for a week in the wild. Again, you can raise steers or hogs and you can have a butchering day. Heck, you can even replace someone's toilet. It can be many things. But remember two principles for your activities. It fundamentally needs to be about these things. Blood and dirt, fighting, and work. This is what men are for. Now, at this point, I also want to ask the simple question, how can you practically go about starting or joining a gang? And I want to give you four points that will help point the way forward in this discussion. 
and hopefully help you as you find or build or join the right gang for you. So number one, you can use social media to share your main ideas and vision, and then you can see who responds. Now, what I would recommend is take some time to think through what is your main vision for reformation. Maybe you read Doug Wilson's book, Rules for Reformers. Maybe you're reading Chris Wiley's book on households. Take these things and think about what is my main vision? What do I think needs to happen in the church? Right? You want to take that and then you want to distill it down into your main points. And then what I will do is I'll go on Twitter and I'll just day by day, I'll just hammer on these main issues and I see who responds. I see who wants to interact with these ideas. And what I will do at this point is then I take those relationships and I form real relationships. So guys will message me on Twitter and they say, hey man, I love what you're doing. And, and I'll just ask them, I'll say, hey, you know, if you got time this week, I'd love to chat uh, for 30 minutes on the phone. Do you have time? And man, most guys want to reach out and talk. And so we'll do that. And it's been very fruitful for me. Uh, we've had people come from across the country uh, on vacations during the summer. They'll call me up and they say, hey, can my family hang out with your family? Can we have dinner? It's a great opportunity to get together, to pray together about the work that God is doing in their context, to bounce ideas off one another, right? And ultimately what I'm trying to do through all of this is I'm trying to seek out men who have a similar vision and who are poised for action. So this is something that I'll talk more about in just a moment, but we need to be men of vision and action. You need both of these things. If you have men of action only, but they don't know what they're doing, there's no blueprint for the work. You're just going to build something really shoddy, right? But on the other hand, I think a lot of reformers, they read their books, you're reading Calvin's Institutes, and you say, wow, this is amazing. I've talked to so many people uh, in the sort of Rush Dooney camp, guys who are thinking about theonomy, guys who are thinking about rebuilding the kingdom. And it's amazing to me how many of them have actually no battle plan whatsoever. They enjoy reading dense theological books, but there's absolutely no plan for action. And so this is really what I'm trying to do. I'm going to create a vision, but I'm also going to be a man of action. This is what hard men should be. So that was number one. Use social media, cast your vision, see who responds, and then turn those into real relationships where you can have men of vision and action. Number two... You need to find a local context to engage in this work and in this battle. Find a local context to engage in the work and the battle. In other words, what I'm saying is you need a local gang, right? As cool it is to have online gangs, we need those, right? For when the atheist feminazi crazies come after you, it's helpful to have guys who share your vision and can respond to people in truth, but that's not ultimately where the work is going to be happening. The work is ultimately going to be happening in your local community, in your household, in your region, and it's going to be happening through things like planting churches, starting schools, starting different ministries, right? producing content that is helpful to the broader church and to the people in your community. So this is why you need a local context, right? You think of Proverbs 27.10, it says, do not forsake your friend or your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. For better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. So that holds true even today. We need people who are physically close, 
so that they can help you with real practical needs on a daily ongoing basis. Now, this is going to be different for different people in different locations as well. I've experienced this myself. Sometimes you're going to be able to attract people in your own locations and they're simply going to join you on your vision and they're going to more or less come to you. So one of the ways that you can do this is find the Facebook groups in your local community, find the coffee shops, find the places where people are congregating and you can post maybe either articles that you like, podcasts that you like, and you kind of see like who's going to respond to this, who says, yeah, I really like this. And then you can form relationships locally with those people. By the way, you might be really, really surprised. So I'm a, I'm a Presbyterian reformed guy. But I have people online and locally all the time from every denomination and sphere of life who will come to me and say, hey, I love what you're doing. I want to support this work. So I've got guys who support the podcast. We've got Assemblies of God pastors. We've got uh, Dispensational Baptist pastors. Uh, I've got Catholics, Roman Catholics who support the show. Um, So one thing I would encourage you to do is cast the net wide. Figure out who wants to join you in your mission. And you again, you'd be very surprised who's willing to come along and be discipled and be teachable. The biggest thing that you want to look for is people who are, again, teachable, right? They're willing to change, they're repentant, um, and they share this vision of what you're doing. And again, just not to be casting a small net, but casting a large net. Now, the last thing that I'll say on this point is that for some people, People aren't going to come to you and you need to go to other people. It means that you're going to have to relocate to join others in the work. Now, again, one thing that I would say is you need to find other competent, high value people who can be doing this work with you. Other guys who can, in a very meaningful way, push the needle and can pull the plow. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life in the past is just thinking that like, Me by myself doing this work is going to get something accomplished, and it really doesn't. You need men of action who are with you, who are pushing with you in the same direction, we're rowing in the same direction. And so a lot of times it does. It means that you're going to have to relocate, and you're going to have to find men who who share that vision with you. Now, the third thing that I want to talk about is collaborating and sharing ideas and finding ways to work together with other local gangs. So this is sort of after you've figured out what your local gang is, then what you need to do is you need to start building networks with other gangs, other men, and other places. So one of the best ways to do this is to go to conferences. Um, Again, you can use social media. You can call people from different churches who seem to share alignment with your vision and the work that you want to do in reform. But one of the ways, if you go to like Grace Agenda, you can meet these men at the conference. Um, You can go to different things uh, through Founders Ministry, uh, through Cross-Politic Network, Fight, Laugh, Feast, whatever it is, get together with people, get to know them, get to know their wives, get to know their children, and get to know them as men and like what kind of work they're doing. This has been essential for me. Um, You'll learn about different books, you'll learn about different strategies, different things that are working in different areas that maybe you can try in your own area. And you'll just sharpen yourself by getting to know these other men. And I would encourage you as you get together with them, pray together. Um, 
keep in touch with you with each other start message groups um do some different things again i would say with smaller groups of men uh with me it's generally a couple pastors around the country i have a couple guys that i keep in touch with regularly some are planning churches some have already planted their churches but we share a vision we pray for each other and we bounce continually ideas off one another for these action plans of reformation so fourth and finally instead of trying to find people with 99% doctrinal alignment aim for 60% alignment and that 60% should be aligned around your vision so i think a lot of times perfection can be the enemy of good and it's odd because a lot of times we're we're looking for 99% alignment with a lot of other guys theologically and so this is the position of perfectionism, right? It's almost impossible to find that close of alignment. You might find it with one or two or three guys, but then even as you build your network, as you build your gang, you're going to have to lower the percentage. And part of what you're going to be doing is you're going to attract people and then you're going to disciple and you're going to teach people. But it doesn't require that in the beginning you have 99% agreement. Again, as I said before, I also wouldn't be afraid of other denominations or men from different backgrounds. These men probably won't be, at least in the beginning, the core of your group, but they can definitely be a key part of the gang that you're seeking to form. So remember, there's always going to be concentric circles. You're going to have your inner inner circle, and then it's going to branch out from there. But really, ultimately, you're looking for men who are competent and who are committed to the mission. And you realize that, look, these guys are going to differ in their maturity. They're going to differ in where they are theologically. That's okay as long as they're willing to support you and come alongside and support the vision and the work and fighting that you're doing as a gang. Well, I hope this episode has been an encouragement to you, and I hope it gives you some practical tools, insights, and encouragement for how you can start or join a gang so that you can do meaningful reformational work in the church and in the culture today. For more resources, I would encourage you to check out my website. That's ericcon.com, E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N.com. And you can check me out on Twitter. That's E-R-I-C underscore C-O-N-N. If you're not yet a supporter on Patreon, I would encourage you to support this work. Not only are you supporting this podcast, but you're also supporting the book and the field manual that I'm currently putting together for men in the church to help train other men to be hard men. Support that work by becoming a supporter at Patreon. You can find the link for my Patreon page in the show notes below. Again, if you sign up to be a VIP member, that's the highest of the tiers on Patreon, you will receive a... 16 ounce Hardman logo pint glass. You can let the next pint be on us. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men. <laughs>